Hello, everyone. My name is John Fleury. And I'm Christopher Wade. Oh, wait, wait. I did it out of order. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode. No, let me make sure it's the the fifth episode because Freakazoid was our last one, I believe. That's right. Screwing up right out of the gate. That's fine. Let's roll with it, baby. Yep, I recorded it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of Sketch Watch Play. My name is John Fleury. And I'm Christopher Wade. And doing this podcast fills us with determination. Much, much determination. You can probably guess what this one's going to be about. Oh, well, we I've been teasing it on our uh, media account, but if you didn't know now and you are familiar with what we're talking about, then yeah. Uh, so this is going to be pretty content-stuffed episode if you take our uh, intro section into account as well. Damn straight. So, uh, first quick thing, how, how you been? I've been doing all right. It's uh, me and Serena uh, and celebrated our first year anniversary together. So that was pretty amazing. And uh, have you done any shopping for... Do you celebrate Christmas? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you celebrate anything for any holidays? Uh, we do. We do celebrate Christmas. Um, but... Uh, payday doesn't come for me until the next couple of days, okay. and I don't really buy into much of the, the giant Christmas hype, but I do know that it's going to be a few days until the big day, so... Yeah, um, you still got uh, five days. Yeah, I got five days to push buy with one click on Amazon.com and fall asleep for the next four days, so I'm not that worried. Thank God for Amazon, you know? Damn straight. I, um, I just finished my Christmas shopping last night. Mm-hmm. I did most of it on Sunday at uh, a mall near me, Tyson's Corner Mall. I don't know if you've uh-huh. been there. Uh-huh. I have. It's cool. Very nice place. I've kind of grown up with it. It's pretty packed at the holidays, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. But uh, I, got, I'm, I knocked all but two gifts out of the way, and then I stopped at a Best Buy near work last night on the way home to finish mm-hmm. up. And I have one more thing arriving in the mail from Amazon by Friday, so we should be fine. Oh, cool. We essentially essentially did the same thing. Uh, A relative of mine gave me a gift card for Best Buy, and I wound up picking up The Revenant and Lights Out by Sandberg. Have you already seen either of those? Um, We watched Lights Out yesterday, and me and Serena, we're pretty big fans of uh, Sandberg's earlier short movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a YouTube channel, and he's he's typically um, that's what the Lights Out movie itself, as distributed by Warner Brothers, it was based off an earlier short. I did not know that. Yeah, but his YouTube channel is chock full of these really neat and horror-filled kind of shorts, and they're they're really interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so quick quick thoughts on uh, Lights Out. Did you, did you like it? Would you recommend? It? I, I did. I did like Lights Out. Uh, there are a few issues with it, on honestly, and I thought that. I thought that it did become a little cliched uh, throughout, but all in all, it was pretty entertaining. I, yeah, I, I feel like uh, mainstream horror movies have been getting a bit better recently because yeah. their batting average has been bad for a while, but I've heard good things about that. Um, I also heard good things about uh, what's the one, the the home invasion. Don't, uh, don't breathe. Don't blink. Don't breathe. Don't blink. Uh, one sweet. of those. Uh, the, one, the home invasion one with, with those two shitty millennials breaking into that deaf guy's home. Perch? Depart- no, 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 no. It had the guy oh, from per- Avatar, Stephen Lang. Was it your next? I think. Or, oh, or that might be it. Yeah, yeah. Your next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. Switch. Your next. Good things about uh, Lights Out. Your next, and also Conjuring Two, which um, yeah. the first one was quite popular, and I thought for sure it was gonna suck, but apparently it doesn't. 
Yeah, uh, me and Serena. I even heard, I even heard that a Ouija sequel was surprisingly good, even though the first uh, one was terrible. Yeah, me and Serena really loved the Conjuring series, and I mean, I'm I'm of the impression that was that was that James Wan, I think. It was uh, yeah, the same guy who did the first one. Yeah, uh, I I love his work in those series. It's it, the they're pretty badass. Yeah, um, I still need to see them actually, but I plan to. Yeah. Ouija, mm, well, I'll catch it on stream, I guess. I'm not, I'm not, that didn't look that interesting to me, honestly. Yeah, no, I didn't hear it was amazing, but I heard it was, like, actually decent compared to the first one, which is apparently just shit. Gotcha, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, so what we've been watching and playing lately, do you want to go first, or should, I guess we should save yours last, because it's kind of a bigger topic. Oh, all right, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of forced that on you. That's but uh, I won't take too long with mine. I just watched, this kind of ties into one of our previous reviews. We were talking about Mark Osborne, director of the first Kung Fu Panda. Uh-huh. And I just watched his second feature ever, he takes his time, which was the recent remake of The Little Prince, oh. um, currently on Netflix. Once upon a time, there was a little prince who lived on a planet that was scarcely bigger than himself and who had need of a friend. It was going to be a theatrical film uh, distribu- distribution by Paramount, and they pulled it at, like, the last minute. Uh. No clear reason why, but um, after watching it, it bums me out that they didn't want to give it a chance like that because it is a really charming and down-to-earth and reserved uh, animated film. That's I, think, I feel we need more of. Yeah, that's that's really what I'm hearing about it. I I, I didn't. I'm not hearing a lot of traction um, no. based off of the fact that it was it didn't go as mainstream as you know people initially wanted it. But having it on stream, I did see a few friends who are who are into animation. I did see a few of them give them um, give them some really good accolades. It's it's really good. Um, the cynic in me thinks maybe they didn't find it like fast paced or marketable enough. Yeah, marketable is the big word yeah, there. Yeah, there's no minion equivalent or anything, and it's not. There's no. It's not pop culture based. It's not you know snarky or toilet it's not, humor. It's like it's, it's not, not. It's not lowest common denominator. It's not trolls. It's not. No. I think trolls is actually pretty good, but it still doesn't look amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I'll, I'll judge it when I see it eventually. I, I want to judge it when I see it, but when I saw it, I mean, obviously the movie's geared towards kids and not yeah. as an animation adult, like animation loving adult as I am. Yeah. But I, I yeah. looked at, I was like, man, this looks really gorgeous. That's it. <laughs> I feel that way about a lot of animated movies that aren't Disney or Pixar. But yeah. um, that's another talk talk for another time. But Little Prince is interesting. Have you ever read the original book? I have not. I read it back in like middle school, and I saw there was also like a '70s live action adaptation. Uh, that one kind of took some liberties because it became a musical, and I wasn't really big on it. I don't remember what I thought of the book. Um, this movie, it actually does do some things very different because it adds a completely new framing story, kind of oh, set in the modern day, where Jeff Bridges voices the older version of this pilot who, in the original story, crash lands, discovers his prince in the desert. The original story is very, I think one way to actually describe it is very odd. Yeah. It's kind of meandering, not in a terrible way, just in a way that I think most kids in the audience today would find unorthodox mm-hmm. and abstract even and dark in some elements. Okay. And so maybe this uh, this framing story was added to uh, give more cohesion and appeal to modern audiences. Yeah. But I think 
it actually shows signs of effort because the main character of the movie overall is uh, this little girl. Interesting thing, it, it kind of in keeping with the with the original book, no characters are given names. Like the uh-huh. book had the prince, the fox, the pilot. Here it's still yeah. like the old man, the little girl, the mom. And mm-hmm. you still get the personalities across. They're animated and voiced well. Um, Jeff Bridges is charming. The kid who gets to play the girl is charming. I like what they did with her mom because it's kind of – seemingly one of those stereotypical workaholic everything got to be perfect on a schedule mom uh, voiced by Rachel McAdams yeah but she opens up more as the movie goes on and you even get like you know kind of subtle hints that uh well what that, that she's divorced and that kind of put a lot on her mentally and she mm-hmm. there's a part where, where her dialogue that opens up like she's really trying to she's she's being this strict because she really wants the her daughter to have opportunities in life like mm-hmm. she's trying to get into this prestigious academy and she's giving the schedule like all right you can have like a break every two weeks just we got to make sure you're you're the best yeah and um and so the movie is kind of there are elements of it we've heard before like you know don't lose your inner child and creative spark but I mean you can hear in the trailer Jeff Bridges says at one point growing up isn't isn't a bad thing forgetting the best parts of childhood is mm-hmm. and what like the one major not even major complaint I level against it is the last act of the movie basically they finish the book recap like two thirds through and the last act and climax are completely made up and it is a little jarring uh-huh. But at the same time, they do some very cool stuff with it, especially concerning the art style, because you know, the majority of the movie is CG, but whenever they're retelling sub- segments from the book, it's stop motion with these very oh, okay. wooden-looking like dolls, and uh, all, all looks very nice. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that they went with that, because Mark Osborne got his start with a, a stop-motion short called More. Oh, okay. I think I mentioned that on our Country Panda episode. It's on YouTube. Look it up. It's one of my favorite uh-huh. animated shorts ever. And I think, um, going by the credits, he even got his son to voice the prince. Mm. And um, there are also a lot of other great actors in smaller parts. Albert Brooks, James uh, James Franco, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Rudd, uh, Ricky Gervais. It's uh-huh. a very solid cast. Uh, oh, Marion Cotillard is even in it very briefly. Cool. It's just, just, there's, just, there's an elegance to this movie that you, like I said, that you seldom see in in theatrical animation outside of the biggest two players, mm-hmm. um, and that it really is my own, my theory of why they wanted to uh, kind of they chickened out on really is giving a wide release. The only other thing I would say is, and this is something I've heard theorized, but I kind of doubted is the fact that you know a lot of this movie is this little girl sneaking away to hide out with a big old man. Yeah, there's like one part that strikes me a little weird, where like a parachute is falling down, and I mean, there's cracking up over it. But I'm like, you could uh, interpret this as a different way. The rest of the movie, though, it's it's it feels very genuine. And I mean, if they were scared of that, then you think they would have uh, taken action earlier when they saw the script or rough cuts or you know before the movie was finished. So mm-hmm. really, I just think it came down to someone who was thinking of uh, the dollar at the bottom line and not the product. But at the same time, I'm glad we there, we still ended up with a way for a lot of people to see it, given how prevalent Netflix is in today's audiences. Yeah, it's pretty typical of the animation industry um, at the moment, or pretty much how it's been for quite Theatrical a while. especially. Yeah, well, it's it's a business, honestly. Yes, of course. And, and it's I mean, uh, on one hand, it's obvious bullshit. But on the other, on the other hand, you know, these major multi-billion-dollar companies need to make need to make sure that they continuously get billions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so they need to make they need to make calculated calculated risks as yeah. to which product or which movie is going to earn them the most cash. Um, and they've had every big studio has had flops. Uh, yeah. going Disney to Warner Brothers to Fox. Pixar, uh, uh, yeah. Good Dinosaur was the lowest grossing movie. That makes me sad because I really did like the Good Dinosaur. I liked it, but I do think it's not as amazing as like it's, Inside Out was the same year and it does not. Yeah, those, I mean, I, personally, I didn't find them. Uh, I didn't narratively. I didn't think they were their um, their Pixar's strongest movies, but I did like them. I appreciate uh, that it was a had a much more more somber feel to it than yeah. Pixar. It's not and, a comedy. It's like a adventure coming of age story, which is interesting. And I think that big um, big budget studios do know that they're. I think they hear people saying that we want actual we want good storytelling, not just. Uh, mediocre storytelling with emotional uh, with emotional detours, and I think that at the same time they're listening to that, but they're also listening to the ring a ding ding in their wallet saying that we got to keep the studios running. There's and also an issue. Sometimes audiences are just dumb. Like, um, did you see Kubo and Two Strings? Yes. Beautiful film, mature, yes. uh, meticulous, dark, emotional. It got uh, completely trounced at the box office by Secret Life of Pets, which of by all it. accounts seems like a very mediocre movie, but is now one of the highest grossing animated movies of all time. Yes, of course it did. I mean, uh, I, I I have a few gripes with Cubo, but, Me I, too, think, but... I, I think that out of any movie this year, it had the strongest opening act. Like, holy shit, I was at the edge of my seat during that first I act. I thought the closing act was really strong too, but that's a talk for another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the animation industry. They're, 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 I, I have a lot, a lot of gripes. But at, at the same time, I do see where the studios are coming from yeah. from a business point of view. And I think we can talk about that more later on. But we do need to get to other topics. And I will say, um, I've heard a lot of people saying, and I do kind of agree that we've kind of been in a golden age for TV animation. To yes. Agree. Yes. Uh, we mentioned Steven Universe, and I know Gravity Falls is huge. I've been loving and getting into uh, Bob's Burgers. Like, there's oh. some a lot of clear effort and passion going into many very popular TV yeah. cartoons. Yeah, uh, Wander Over Yonder has a very large fan base, surprisingly large. Like, yeah, I, I just wanted to watch I, that show. Yeah, I, I watched a couple episodes of it. It didn't, it didn't really stick with me, but the overall message uh, that I hear, you know, um, being that you know you should always have hope, or um, I, I'm sure there's a, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a, a larger message even to that I'm only gleaning from what I've read online yeah it had two it had two seasons yeah and from what I've worked from what I've read it would have had three yeah um, they want it got canceled yeah it's a shame but there there uh, TV animation has hit has hit a really nice gold mine with great storytelling yeah and I yeah. think that if networks if cable television networks or even streaming networks you know keep this up then maybe the big time movie studios will get the message that you don't have to keep rehashing older ideas uh, yeah. to continuously make a product. Or and we shouldn't totally discredit studios because we still get well, some really good stuff from time to time. Like, yeah, we do. Yeah. Like, I, even ones that I never, I, I think up to their release aren't going to be anything. Like I thought, Zootopia was oh, it's another talking animal movie. It's going to be one of Disney's weaker things. Surprise! It's a buddy cop mystery movie about racism that is really funny and really clever and one of the best things yeah. Disney's ever done. I love Zootopia. Yeah, we I, talked about it. It's a fantastic yeah. film. Yeah. And Inside Out was possibly my favorite movie of 2015. It was. Oh. I was blown away by it. So, cool. but again, again, I, I Disney and Pixar have this still have the best batting average. It's kind of always been that way. Yeah. Uh, but I guess we can move on to this yeah, point. Yeah, so uh, our next one I don't think will inspire quite as much discussion. Have I've been playing uh, – have you played Super Mario Run at all? Super Mario Run. 
a new kind of Mario game that you can play with one hand. No, I ha has it been released on this on Samsung devices? No, yet? no, it's out. Ah! Okay, yeah, it was. All, it's out on iOS this Nintendo! last week. I think it's. I think it said maybe not till January for. Ah! for yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. Continue. Yeah, I've played. I've, I'm about like two thirds through the campaign mode. And I've sent some time into its side mode, and I think it's pretty decent. I, yeah. uh, I've actually been hearing um, the reviews for it have been decent, and the App Store rating has been terrible. But keep in mind <laughs> that was the same way for Pokemon Go. I've been hearing a lot of people picking up Super Mario Run, and I've been hearing a lot of people have been having fun with Super Mario Run. Yeah, and I want to play it. I just have a really crappy Samsung device, and as and as much as I love Samsung. They do not have the greatest luck this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, wait, is yours, like, too old a model to support more recent uh, games? No, I have the 6 Edge. And honestly, I mean, it's just, I guess it's just not available right now. But I tried looking on, the store, on, on like, an app store, and I couldn't find it. It's not out on Android yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I say that Samsung doesn't have the best luck this year, I mean in terms of, well, phones have been exploding. Yeah, yeah. That, well, no, I, I think I, I knew what you meant, but yeah. they've had some uh, rough spots. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure they'll recover because Android phones are still a huge deal, but yeah. uh doesn't help that you know one of the bigger uh game releases gets delayed is kind of a timed exclusive for Apple. Yeah. But um it is a quite fun game. I, I think it helps with me that I never expected it to be amazing. Mm -hmm. But for what it is, I've I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um it kind of is what you would, what you expect when you hear it. It's an auto runner with Mario mechanics and you know touch to jump and 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 such controls. Um, they do have some neat little new gimmicks with it, like much like you know Mario RPGs, the coins you collect are used for currency on a kind of an overworld. That's cool. Uh, the overarching meta goal, besides being the campaign, is to expand your village by attracting more toads to it of different colors, uh -huh. and. The way that's that's primarily done is one you the coins you collect can be used to buy different um, decorations that will attract toads of that color, yeah. and two besides the default I think they call it world tour mode. There's something called uh, I think Toad Rush where it's kind of an asynchronous competitive multiplayer thing where you can choose other players and kind of play against a assimilation of I guess their player play style. Mm -hmm. And the game judges you through a timed run through certain levels, not just of you know how fast you are and how many coins you get, but also kind of style style uh, points. Because yeah. one thing they added is that if you don't tap to jump on like a Goomba or a little ledge, Mario will automatically vault over them. And if you jump while he's doing that, he'll do a little spin. You'll get a little point. You'll, yeah. you'll get, you know. So you do that. You can still do the because it's based off the new Super Mario Brothers U uh, mechanics and aesthetic. He can do mm -hmm. the midair spin for a little more uh, air time. That'll get you more points. Uh, doing the backflips and stuff will get you uh, wall flips. You can't do manual backflips. Those will help. Uh, you know, and getting certain coins in a row. And I think that's pretty fun. And so whoever gets the most highest style rating at the end will get some totes. Okay. And uh, I I know do know that um no don't there, mess with the microphone. I'm sorry, the cat. There's a cat in my lap, and he's trying to touch the microphone. Oh yeah, yeah. We I heard a meow in a previous episode. Oh hey, cat. Which one's that? Yep. That is Jonesy, and Jonesy he's being bad. That's a good that Jonesy. Kitty. Go away now. But um, but it's it's it, I like that aspect of it. Uh, seems to get some good replay value. The main campaign does seem fairly short though. Um, <laughs> though. You can actually, over time, unlock additional playable characters, and not just Luigi and a Toad like in New Super Mario Brothers Wii. You can also un unlock uh, Peach and Yoshi, 
which I think oh. is nice. And I do hope they try and incorporate that if they ever make a new. Like, I think one thing that might really, really get me interested in more uh, new Super Mario Brothers games is really expanding the playable cast. Uh huh. Kind of like they did with uh, 3D World. I love the fact that Peach and Rosalina were available. Yes, I also love. I love to see uh, other characters who have gotten their own games, like Wario and Donkey Kong, even. Mm-hmm. That would be um, kind of interesting. I'm just happy that Rosalina is involved because Rosalina is my favorite Nintendo character. She's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I, I got a, I got uh, amiibos of her in Waluigi recently. So mm. she she does have one of the like the cool looking designs of like the main Mario characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's she's done this not as far as I know. Not, not to play as it's Mario, Luigi, Toad, Peach, and Yoshi. Oh, and uh, Toadette. That you know, kind of a reskin of Toad. Um, okay. But it, I think it seems pretty good, and I know there's been a lot of contention over the fact that rather than be a pure free-to-play or freemium game, it's basically you pay $10 to unlock all of it. Uh-huh. Whether or not um, that seems like a justified price point for how much time you get out of it, that will vary from person to person. But me, I'm supporting that because I'm really sick of the free-to-play model. <laughs> um, it just never has never really appealed to me. I've run into so many games that I start out liking and just... You know, the energy timers or currency or the costs just get worse and worse. Yeah. I just feel more comfortable, like, doing what I do with regular games. Plunk down a big chunk at first. Yeah. And uh, then just play to my heart's content. But yeah. uh, obviously that is not uh, how everybody feels when it comes to mobile games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know Nintendo has said they're doing this as an experiment with how to price their future endeavors. Because they've already, they're already planning an Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem for uh, phones next year. That's cool. Which I'm excited to see how those turn out. I think those are good series that would be very well suited for that format. Yeah, um, Nintendo has done a... I'd say they've done a pretty good job on researching the mobile market in regards to uh, how... In regards to whether or not number one, how they're going to develop games on it, but even number two, how they can c- compete with it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why they released, um, they came up with the Wii or came up with the Wii U. Um, it was essentially because they never saw themselves as competing with Sony or competing with Microsoft. They've, Nintendo's always, the Wii, seen, sure. yeah, Nintendo's always seen them, seen themselves competing with, yeah, um, bubbles, smart, kind of. well, well, with smart tablets, yeah, with yeah, devices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, both the Wii U and the switch have felt like responses to that. Yeah, uh, it didn't and, work for Wii U. Switch it might work, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens. And good on Nintendo for trying something different this time around by going to mobile, um, by going to mobile way. I mean, yes. a lot of people have been saying they should do that. I mean, of course, I've been saying, hey, just create a ha- um, uh, an HD handheld system that you can connect to your TV. Well, there you go. Then that now we have the Switch, so yeah, I'm like, see. yes. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah we'll like- see what happens. I'm, I'm still. We'll talk more about the Switch as more news comes out, and I'm sure yeah. I'm, I'm going to buy one eventually. Yeah, um, me too. And it also worth noting, I did see a lot of people saying, why don't you just make a regular Mario game, you know, with virtual buttons and stuff. And Miyamoto, the creator of Nintendo, of Mario, said, you know, that just wouldn't be very comfortable and intuitive with touch controls. And we didn't want to do, have like a bad experience like that. So mm-hmm. we made this game keeping in mind what people are most accustomed to for phone games. Yeah. Which makes sense and uh, makes me wonder how uh, Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing will turn out. So. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited for both of those. And yeah. now I believe, moving on to our third, uh, what we've been doing. So uh, you've been meaning to talk about this for a while. Spe- and speaking yeah. of Nintendo, what uh, are your impressions so far of Pokemon Sun and Moon? Well, I'm a big Pokemon fanboy as it is. So I definitely have biased feelings <laughs> according uh, according to this game. I picked up Pokemon Moon a couple weeks ago. And I definitely dug it. I definitely like the fact that Nintendo basically took away gyms and replaced them with a different kind of gym. Kabuto I mean, challenges, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
honestly, they're still gems in a sense. I mean, you still get a reward for beating up the main boss of the area that you have to solve a puzzle in order to get through. But what's different about this game is that the badges are now, they now have a purpose. They now have a function. Okay. So, yeah, so now you get something called a Z-Crystal, and that allows you to, to pull off some crazy Zack Snyder move. That was like with, a super move, right? If you yeah. About it. Once per battle. It's basically... Kind of like, like Mega Evolution. Yeah, certain specific Z moves create these awesome Final Fantasy cutscenes within game. Nice. So, I mean, and, and the game itself is pretty is pretty cool. I mean, honestly, if you played Pokemon games before, not much has changed about the battle system. Well, that applies to almost all games in the series, really. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, they um, get subtle refinements with each new entry, like, you know, it, double battles, breeding, super Mega moves, evolutions. Held this, items. And, and this ver- yeah, and this version, the Z moves, which mega, yeah, are, which are cool. Yeah. Um, but I think um, from what the main criticism I'm hearing of Pokemon as of late is that um, it's been the same game forever. Yeah, and which I actually agree with, even though I'm still a fan. I'm, I'm still a fan, too, and I agree with it to a fault. There's, uh, But I remember not too long ago, and I think it was about two years ago, that one of the, um, the leads of Pokemon, I'm not sure if it's the production designer or uh, or the battle system uh, designer or not, I remember him talking about like trying to, um, to do something different within the coming generations, like something completely different instead of just turn-based movesets where you're just shifting through menus. Okay. Uh, and uh, I got to figure out where that interview was. Uh, but I do remember it, and I do remember reading it fondly and saying, yes, that would be great. Because there are things about Pokemon that I definitely enjoy and will always love to death. But one of the main reasons I like RPGs as a whole is there um, is that the way that they tackle battle systems through each um, through each year, uh, whether or not it's Braille and Fall, whether or not it's Final Fantasy XV, yeah. um, or even the subtle refinements within Pokemon, is that they do something different with the battle system. And Pokemon has been taking some steps, some baby steps, some larger steps, but other people... Even to my, uh, even myself to some degree, have been waiting for it to be like, hey, let's try an action RPG element. Let's try pull, I'm pulling an action RPG element into this. There's something different you can do with the battle system, I'm sure, instead of just rock paper scissors your way to victory. Right. Okay, so just to be clear, th- th- this isn't an action RPG. It's still the same core battle system. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I'm guessing maybe you know Nintendo and Game Freak and the like they don't want to alienate the audiences who like it, but yeah. that does sound like something that would make for a really good spinoff. Um, either a spinoff or something. I, I, I'm not exactly sure where they're going to go about it. I do, um, I, like I said, I do remember the interview very fondly and thinking that would be so cool if yeah. they went the action RPG route. And you know, maybe uh, uh, and hopefully a lot of veterans be, uh, uh, will get on uh, will get on board with that, especially with old heads like me who've grown up with Pokemon since well since it first came out and it was on the Game Boy. Yep. But, we'll uh, be talking more Pokemon soon. Stay tuned to the end of this episode. Yeah, stay tuned for the end of this episode for another 50 to 100 that you have to memorize. And don't get me wrong, I love the designs. I think the designs of the new Pokemon are freaking cool. Sun and Moon are my favorite Pokemon, new Pokemon designs since uh, Gen 2. I feel like yeah. Ruby and Sapphire onward, they've been more missed than hit for me. Yeah, um, but even with that said, I think the NPCs in Pokemon are freaking adorable. Like, I think, like, the side characters yeah. and, like, uh, the, the, the other throwaway trainers that you fight or even the, temp, um, even the template trainers that you fight every now and then, they have really bitchin' designs. I really like what I've seen of the human characters for this game, especially um, Team Skull. I think that is such a refreshing approach to the enemy team. Team Skull! <laughs> like, no more... You know, fancy executive or you know, fancy criminal. These are street thugs. I, I like 
I, I know it's a parody. I know that it's a. I, I know it kind of rubs people the wrong way uh, to see like these these stupid jive talking uh, schnooks. Oh, were there cries of racism among some people? Yeah, I wouldn't say that, but I, I think that it does cross some cultural boundaries where people are kind of they get kind of squeal, um, skeeved out about it just a little bit. But that said, I do think that the parody. Uh, I do think that. Team Skull exists as a parody that everybody can enjoy. And I also think uh, when I look at Team Skull, I look at Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. Yeah, just, that's the vibe and, I'm getting. Like, yeah. more, more of an Eminem thing than yeah, just I, I, I think uh, of just, type. I think of the I think of these just this uh, non-threatening goofballs who are trying to freestyle their way to victory. And I'm just like, I can't take you seriously. Let me just throw an Inferno Overdrive at you and see yeah. what happens. And even the other the good characters, like I see a lot of the internet going going obsessing over that Lily girl, um, and a lot of these like new scientists, like what's her name, Lusa Main, however you say yeah. it. Oh, I I love the fact that um, girls are geeking out over the last two professors. Like they've decided to make professors hunky all of a sudden. Yeah, this new professor that showed up with his shirt with his shirt. Yeah, well, no shirt. And he's Open just wearing shirt. like a sleeveless jacket, and he's like, "Hey, Derek Bell, what?" Want to get you into my bed into my bedroom? You're like, what? Some Pokemon, and he just holds up a Pokemon. Doesn't he? Ha- doesn't Professor Oak have like a beefy relative now? Um, I'm not sure. I, I have seen pictures. Actually, oh, maybe it's in the anime. He's like the same face, but a tanner. Yeah, it's definitely the body. It's definitely Professor Oak's face sitting um, on that guy. He may be. Um, he may be a relative. I actually haven't watched the new anime. It looks really cool. I haven't, I haven't watched the anime in years, but uh, yeah. I know people cried foul about the new art style, but I've heard actually now that people are watching that it works really well. Yeah, I tend not to listen to people who are who freeze uh, a still image of an in-between and go friggin' bananas yeah, over Yeah, that's over not very fair. You can pause images in some of the greatest anime movies of all time, and it's just it's sometimes it's necessary to do goofy-looking in-betweens to get good yeah. motion. Honestly, a lot of people have really defended the Pokemon, the um, Pokemon Sun and Moon anime, uh, a great deal in better ways than even I can even state at this moment. Um, but if I mean, if you're a fan of Pokemon and you really want to, um, if you if really if you really want to check out the new anime, but you're but you're kind of on a fence about it because of the art style, uh, don't be because it looks freaking amazing. And there's a shift within the um, within the anime industry to kind of lean towards Toon Boom now. And since is that what they're using for this? That, that's what they're um, they're using it for a few for a few scenes. I'm not sure if they're using it exclusively yet. Okay. Um, but for the new uh, Sun and Moon anime, as far as I know, I mean, even in uh, in the X, Y, and Z, the the previous season of Pokemon, they were um, they were experimenting with Toon. Yeah, Pokemon's been digitally animated for a while, like almost yeah. every anime now in 2D. Um, I would say, I mean, I would suggest. Uh, that if you're interested in learning more about the Pokemon Sun and Moon anime, check out a YouTube channel called The Kanipa Effect. And he's been doing just a ton of animator spotlights in regards to certain anime shows. Uh, specifically, uh, as of late, he's done this, um, he's done a spotlight on the Sun and Moon anime. And it's really, really good. And there's yeah. a lot of really worthwhile research that he's put into it. And I think that, I think that judging an entire show based on single still images it's very naive and ignorant. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll talk more about it later. I haven't really, I haven't really, you know, cared about the Pokemon anime in a while. I still have nostalgia for it, but I, you know, going back into the newer ones, I'm like, it's it's still kind of it's for kids and it's fine for for that. It's but not- and I think remember, I remember the reason I stopped watching around the Johto arc was I kind of felt like it was kind of feeling a sense of repetition. Yeah, and uh, I'm guessing that still hasn't changed that much. Well, it's changed to a fault. I remember in XY, there's a ton of good character development that's starting to come right. around. I mean, don't right, get yeah, me the, the old seasons weren't really big on character development. It was more no, like 
plots of the day and stuff. No, they're, they're not. And they had, they did a good job of, of, of bringing in side, uh, side characters that no one was going to care about for a while and then yeah. tossing them aside. X and Y kind of do the same thing, but it gives characters enough room to breathe. Um, to breathe. It's, I know it's not, I know people are flipping about what, about what Serena did in the finale. Yeah, that's what I freaked out over. That was awesome. Yeah, um, people look it up if you – we won't spoil it right here, but if you care, just look up Serena, Pokemon XY finale. Yeah. She did something that I think a lot of, you know – shippers would uh yeah. go out of her it's it's something that's been kind of long awaited in the pokemon show oh uh, yeah yeah but even as a show itself x and y um, takes some strides to kind of step in a direction of what they would kind of do in their movies and in their theatrical arrangements mm-hmm. um and even like the finale itself just seems like a giant freaking film like what they would do like when a giant boss pokemon shows up and it kind of feels like a pokemon movie yeah yeah it, it, it definitely does yeah um so yeah, X and Y does a pretty good job of uh, establishing some character yeah. development. But getting back to uh, Sun and Moon, the game, yes. uh, we will have time to talk about the Pokemon anime very soon, believe you me. What else would you th- are your biggest observations about it that you think you would like to bring up? Well, the biggest observations I love about uh, Sun and Moon, the game, are the fact that you ain't got to worry about HMs anymore. Yes, that's the one that really made me go, oh, thank God, I don't have to have one worthless Pokemon anymore or waste a move slot. Yeah, no more... Uh, no time. more no more attributing fly or strength. Like, why would you give a Pokemon strength that's already kind of strong? I don't yeah, understand. They're way better moves than strength, especially late late game. Yeah. Now in Sun and Moon, what you def- what you basically have is you can call a support Pokemon to basically clear out an area for you. Like, if you need to use an equivalent of strength to clear out some boulders, you don't have to just press a button. You can call out a Tauros, and a Tauros, you can basically use the Tauros to steer your way through the boulders, crash right, uh, charge right through them, essentially. And it doesn't and, have to be in your party. You can, you can just kind of warp to you. Yeah, he, you don't. Have, you don't have to. You don't have to catch a Tauros. You just. You basically page him and be like, "Hey, Tauros," and he'd be like, "Hey, what's up, man?" He'd be like, "Hey, I'm over here. There's some boulders in my way. Can you come clear them out for me?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll be with you in a jiff." And he comes right to you, and he. Just, I like that Tauros oh, voice, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I worked very hard on it. You call a Tauros. And you use a joystick to steer him into the boulders. You're essentially applying the move yourself. And okay. and that's, that's cool. And, and when I mentioned the action RPG elements earlier and what Pokemon, uh, what the Pokemon games could do, that's a really good element. Like being able to control a Pokemon yourself directly is is a is a great breath of fresh air. And it seems like such a small thing, but it's it it it's really. It's like I said, it's refreshing. I like I, it. Well, I've kind of got the general impression that Sun and Moon does a lot of small things like that, but they, it, when you combine them all together, it really feels like they're breathing new life into the franchise. They do, despite they do. not messing with the gameplay fundamentals all that much. And yeah. I heard there's even more of a concrete story, which I was also noticing in X. But yeah, like they're trying a little harder to have a developed plot. They are. They are. Cool. Uh, I, I haven't gotten too far into it qu- as of yet, but I like it. I like it so far. If we're going to go back to the care, um, to the to the NPCs being like really adorable and really appealing. Uh, you mentioned like the the professors being like general hunks. Yeah. But I'm finding that there is a character named Guzmo. Guzmo. Uh, he's he's basically the, the, one of the team skull leaders. Oh, is he? Yeah, the main female. The, the main male. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of very questionable and fun art of him on on Twitter and Tumblr. Yeah, him and the uh, what's the leader girl's name? Uh, I forget her name. I, I yeah, yeah, she's she she looks more uh, she looks like she has it more together than him just from the poses and expressions. Yeah, 
I actually haven't gotten as far as to meet that leader quite yet, either that or I don't remember her that much. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll we'll come back to it. Sun and Moon, yeah. That's all uh, I can say for now. Yeah, but it, you, so it definitely sounds like you would recommend it to Pokemon fans. I would recommend it with caution because, again, okay, that? Still, uh, uh, again, aside from outside of the, the main battle system where you're actively fighting Pokemon – not much is different about uh, not much is different about the battle system, which is one of the core mechanics of the game. So if you're if you're expecting something wildly different, if you're expecting a wild departure, not yet, um, not so much. You're going to see some moderate changes. I have to admit that um, when I first started the game, I was kind of hoping that I could take my crew, my old team from X and Y, since I have them in a Pokemon bank, I could like transfer them to Pokemon Moon. I can't do that yet. Yeah, that's that's next year apparently. That's that's in January. That actually kind of pissed me off a bit. I'm yeah, that's not, annoying. Yeah, I'm not really happy about that. I've actually been replaying uh, Pokemon Yellow on the Virtual Console to put some of the Pokemon in bank for other games. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of that. But no. you know, um, other Nintendo than that, Nintendo. Yeah, other than that, the game is good. Just don't expect uh, a serious departure from what the game has been doing. Yeah. You're probably going to be seeing that either in the next generation of the 3DS or even the Switch. We'll, we'll see. Or further down the line. We'll see what happens. Oh, before, so before we move on, the most important question. Yes. Have you caught the Trump weasel? I have not caught the Trump weasel, no. Gumshoes or whatever he's called? Young goose, young... That hair. It's the hair oh, that does it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I did. I, um, honestly, that's... Aside from the dark Radita, that is this game's Radita, and I just called him Gross Squirrel and threw him in a box and forgot him forever. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call mine Wall. Wall? Yeah, he looks like oh. Trump. Remember? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the meme. He's got the hair and the scowl. I'm like, oh my god, they they it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I I don't know what uh. Actually, I was going to say I want them to do an Obama-type Pokemon, but knowing Japan, it would probably turn out pretty racist. Maybe. <laughs> we talked. I think we talked on Facebook once about uh, Jinx. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. She's a little better now, but uh, initially pretty She's better now because she has purple skin. Yeah, yep. but initially no it was a Mr. Popo situation. A, no one's going to suspect a thing. I'll be totally honest. When I was, uh, I was 11 when Pokemon started, I remember thinking, well, Jinx is the one who looks most like a human, but, but I never stopped to think about ethnicity. So oh, I did. <laughs> yes, I'll bet you did. You should have. But um, that's Japan being Japan. Yeah. But anyway, I think it's about time we moved on to our main topic. So I'm going to start this by saying that this it, this topic was very interesting for me to approach because this topic, which is an independent PC role-playing game called Undertale, developed almost completely by one man named Toby Fox via Kickstarter. I, this game kind of came out of nowhere for me and most people uh, because it was independently developed and distributed. This game exploded. There's no better way for me to describe it than Tumblr and YouTube and just all sorts of, you know, fan social networks like that latched yeah. onto this game. They've, uh, for the past year or so, it has been very hard to, I wasn't actively avoiding it, but I, it, it was popping up everywhere. It was, mm-hmm. this game was kind of a cult phenomenon, mm-hmm. um, and to some degree still is. And I had bought it, uh almost a year ago maybe during a steam sale mm-hmm. and try like the first 20 minutes of it and put it back on the virtual shelf and i'll get to why but 
Chris, as you're, since this was your first pick, I want you, I want you to you say it. So what was your uh, introduction to Undertale? And- my, my introduction to Undertale was uh, after watching, like you, I saw a lot of uh, mini explosions happening uh, across the net, either through Twitter, through Tumblr, mostly through YouTube. So uh, I can, Tumblr was uh, the biggest for me. Yeah, aside from all the fa- um, Five Nights of Freddy's uh, thumbnails that I was seeing on YouTube, I kept seeing one in particular of like an 8-bit uh, skeleton head. Yeah, this game a- blowing up was very much reminiscent of Freddy. Yeah, very reminiscent. And I was kind of avoiding it for a little bit. I, um, I, was, um, I was still working on um, my short film. Um, I was uh, um, At the time, I was getting ready to get married. Um, and I kept seeing... That's a good excuse. Yeah. I, I just really didn't have much of the much time to play the games that I um to play the games I saw and um that I thought were interesting. Um, I was also in the midst of trying to develop a game channel, um, and still am. But at the same time, I I kept seeing this game. I'm like, what is this game? Oh, it's an RPG. It's an RPG about monsters. Oh, and then I saw the trailer, and I'm like, so you don't have to kill monsters. Right. It's you can save them. You can get multiple endings. And um, it's basically a bullet uh, a bullet hell game. Where it's you, part schmup, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Degree. I want to play this game. And you know what? That was probably one of the best gaming decisions I've ever made. Like, narratively, this game has... It's about the equivalent of a weird, self-aware anime merged with the sense of humor that is cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, I keep forgetting their names. Um, the guys who um, the guys who directed uh, the Lego Movie. Oh, um, Lord and Miller. Yeah, they also did Clone High. Yeah, and yeah, and Cl- Clone High. That that kind of that kind of humor, that kind of off the wall, random, fast pace, uh, very fun. Yes, fast pace, and just I, I wouldn't say irreverent, but really charming humor. Really got to me, like in a way where I actually felt really connected to these characters, and that yeah. That's, it's not that, just a funny game. It's a very emotional one. It's it's super emotional. Like I'm playing it, and I and I'm like, I can't play this by myself. I have to play it with someone. So I call my best friend Joe up, and he comes over, and we start playing it. But not only do we play it, we do we actually start doing this little bit, something that we haven't done in about ten years of knowing each other, and we start playing the game and reading the lines of this RPG according to with with actual character voices. <laughs> so, we actually started voicing the game like yeah. we like we used to in high school because we used to voice Final Fantasy IX when we played it. Um, I see used, people do that on YouTube to this day. Yeah, yeah, and it's my God, it makes me so jealous um, seeing all these YouTube creators just do that. I'm like, I want to do it too. Um, but I had a great experience doing it with my friend Joe. We joined forces essentially, and we had a great time voicing um, Sans and Papyrus, two skeleton characters that you've no doubt have seen in yeah. a period of thumbnails. They're probably uh, the most uh, well-known. Yeah, the cast. and it, it was it was such a memorable time. And yeah. the thing about this game is that you don't have to just grind your way into beating it like an uh, like a traditional RPG. No. Even even in and of itself it's not a traditional RPG because it's basically a shoot 'em up and you just have to avoid yeah. a lot of things and just follow the and just follow certain colored command cues. Yeah, we should I should just start off by doing a general a little overview for those who haven't played Undertale because not oh. everybody has. Yeah. It is a very retro looking RPG. Kind of looks like an NES game, limited color palette, 8-bit limited animation. 
And actually looking to Toby Fox, his first big project was a hack of Earthbound. And I do see a lot of Earthbounds in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but quick synopsis, you're this kid, uh, official name Frisk, but never talks, very androgynous too. I think it's kind of, it's very much a, you, you, uh, they want you to come through this character and not for it to be its own independent personality. If they fall through a uh, into an underground cavern from our world and discover this locked away society of monsters, there is qu- quite a bit of backstory to their history with humans and why they're underground. Mm-hmm. And what starts as you trying to get home, this is not a game you want spoiled, but it gradually grows into something much more uh, encompassing. Yeah, uh, as you meet certain characters, learn about their role in this this overall plot and conflict and where the gameplay ties into this is, you know, traversal is kind of typical eight and 16 bit RPG overhead style with like little environmental puzzles with switches and the like. Yeah. And battles are technically turn-based complete with how you, it kind of does the Mario RPG thing of you time your attacks to deal more damage. But Mm -hmm. the big gimmick is with just about every battle in the game, you actually don't have to attack and kill enemies because you have a uh, attack tab and a act tab, or is it mercy? It's, a, it's an attack tab or a mercy or flee tab. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it's act, and that opens up mercy and flee. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you can get just about any enemy to a point where you can spare it. Uh, yeah. For smaller enemies, it often comes down to just whittling down their health without killing it, kind of like Pokemon. Yeah. When you get into more unique enemies and boss encounters. Uh, it gets really creative. And also, but before I get to that, the way enemies attack you isn't just they attack and you take damage. It's this little box opens up that is very akin to, like you said, a bullet hell or shoot 'em up game. And yeah. most of the time you can't attack. You're just it's just a little heart of your character and you have to avoid various types of projectile attacks, which vary depending on the character you're facing. Yeah, you definitely have some freedom of movement there where it's just that uh, you attack get back in line. Now it's the other person's turn. Now they attack. Now you get back in line. And it's 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 not so much of just trading blows. You definitely have to keep an eye on your screen and make sure that you yourself are not getting hit. You have to move yeah. around to dodge. Yeah, and it can be pretty tough if, with the first time you fight certain characters. Yeah. Some of the later bosses took me several tries. And the game definitely changes up the formula a lot. Like, I mean, yes. it, there's inverted controls. Uh, you have to listen. Like I said before, you have to pay attention to color cues because that might be the descriptive uh, text for enemies. Yeah. Uh, we'll get more into that when we get into spoilers. But um, so I just want to go over my thoughts real quick. I was very skeptical by the time I actually got around to playing this game for the podcast. And I really think it was just a case of I was worried this game was going to feel overhyped and overexposed to me. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we've all had situations where you're a little late getting to a certain piece of media and that has been hyped and praised to hell. And oh, Yeah, no doubt. And your opinion of it, even if you end up liking it, you might feel a little gypped if you aren't blown away by it. That was me last year with uh, Fury Road because I was a little oh. late seeing it. And I certainly think it's a quality film. But I was hearing nonstop this is one of the best action films ever made. And I just walked out like I like it a lot, but I don't think it's a classic. So. Okay. And, and I think we've even had cases where something's so hyped up and then you don't like it and you're frustrated that you're, you can't be part of that crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was still feeling that way for like the first half hour, which is the section with uh, – we are being taken you're care not- of by Toriel, this yes. kind of motherly mother monster figure. And she's kind of you know teaching you the breaks of this world and the battling and such. But about you know 30 minutes in when stuff starts to happen, not just being yeah. a tutorial, it- but the game's world and cast opens up. I got yeah. sucked in, and I really started to see why this game has earned so much praise and adoration because it is a very 
personal, very witty, very intricate, and just the development of this felt very passionate because yeah. there are a lot of layers to the gameplay. There are layers to the character and plot. There are layers to even the aspect of the game itself. Like We'll get into the final boss, but uh, yeah. the final boss fucks with your expectations gloriously in terms of how you even play and look at the game. Yeah, I think the um, I think you sum it up very well uh, in that regard, uh, especially in terms of trying to in trying to suggest the game to other people. Because I've done that. I mean, even with my brother, uh, my brother and I are big RPG nuts. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, like I was really into Undertale, and my sense of humor is very different from my brother Tyrone's. Uh, so when I was trying to get him interested in Undertale, he wasn't feeling it. Like he was like, "Is this game supposed to be funny, or is I'm just yeah, it doesn't really seem that great." And of course, you know, he doesn't. He 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 um he never really grew up with those eight bit, sixteen bit games. Uh, that, that would probably so, help. Yeah. Uh, so at the time, it's like, well, it just looks like an old game. Okay, I don't see what the big deal is. And that was me for the first half hour. The tutorial yeah. section. Yeah, but uh, I grew up with those games, and and yeah. I'm still not the biggest fan of the overall art style. I wish there was a little more color to it. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I to some aspects. I do too, and I really hope that maybe one day there's like there's like a remake that actually takes advantage of like some maybe not some like straightforward HD graphics, but gives the battle scene some splash I'd of love color. Like a sixteen bit upgrade. Oh, okay. I love I love the sixteen bit style of like pixel art and onward. Uh, that would yeah. that would suffice for me. Um, but even when trying to like suggest a game to other people, this is a game that if you're interested, you should play it. You yes. should give it a shot. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a demo of it out. I don't think you have to pay for sure. it. Yeah. Um, but even so, uh, even in that regard, I, I like the game. I love the game a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of soul to it. And yeah. very cartoony. Uh, it's it's very – it's got some really unbelievable aspects to it. And the game calls itself out a lot. But more importantly than that, the game calls you out for a lot yes. of stuff you are as a, as a video game player. And, and how you play it. Yeah, and for me, me and my brother, one of my fondest memories with my brother is playing Eternal Darkness, uh, um, Sanity's Requiem, and we loved that game when it came out. We played it every time we came. That not- is one of the, but the biggest like games that just actively screw with you. Yeah, it does. Uh, like the game, the game screws with you so badly. Like it, like the game will glitch out. Turn down the volume on your television. Say deleting your save files. Yeah. And even more subtle ones. I remember like when you're running down a hall and this statue bust, it's just slowly trying to look at you. And it's yeah. just so like, it's, did I just see that? It's maddening, that game. And I still I still have very good, really good memories of it. It's very and good. to this day, well, before Undertale, I, I hadn't encountered a game that really points its finger at you and lets you know you are playing a game, but still does it in a way where it's in, or still grounded in the game's plot where it's still part of the game itself. And Undertale just smashes that comparison to pieces yeah. and, uh, in that regard. And I, I love the game for it. Because it's like, it's not just a game about you saving your friends, or it's not just a game about you destroying your friends. No. It's a game about you and what you do with your choices in regards to these really silly, possibly stupid, but also just as also just as important as you are, yeah. friends. Choice is a very important matter in this. And I don't mean it's not like, you know, Mass Effect or Walking Dead, it's like press A to do this, press B to do that. It's no. it can be a lot more subtle. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is a good point for us to get into spoiler talk. 
Okay. Uh, we've got a little bit left before we need to go, so okay. uh, be warned from this point. But it will, I think we'll start by saying we both very much recommend Undertale, and only listen forward from this point if you've played it to completion at least once or if you have no interest in playing it. Yeah. So I'm going to start by saying this is a game that really encourages more than one playthrough. Yeah. If you don't know what, exactly what to do the first time. Mm-hmm. Because, so let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, calling you out for your actions and such. The, the, the impetus for, th- there are two, there are a couple various endings, but there are two really big concrete ones depending on how much you commit to a certain play style. There's yeah. one called Pacifist, which is generally killing Don't little to fuse in no enemies. Yeah. And then genocide, which is the exact opposite, just merciless. Mur- murder everyone, yeah. And you get very different endings and story moments based on that. And one of the ways I got one of a couple, what they call neutral endings, where mm. I kind of dabbled in both areas and got kind of a middle-of-the-road, um, not mm. very satisfying ending, but mm. that's all the more encouraging to make me go back and play it. Would and, you, go ahead. Uh, your final battle, it was against uh, Flowey, right? Yes. Was it against Nightmare Flowey? Uh, the big, realistic monstrosity? The, the photo, Yeah, Photoshop Flowey. Yes. Can I geek out for a second? Because that is my favorite boss in that game. Holy shit. I, oh, <laughs> oh my god. I, I don't have words to process what experiencing that was like. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just... It is sensory overload, and it t- that is the biggest example of truly fucking with you as a gamer. Yeah. Um, because just to, just to – so you fight um, another boss, Asgore, who I want to get to in a second. But yeah. after you beat him, this – Flowey is this – he's the first character you see in the game. He's this little, you know, happy face flower, cartoon flower who starts out like your friend, but he's seriously a malicious little bastard. And he is the surprise final boss. He, well, he's popped up very sporadically, and they turn out he has this horrible master plan involving everything that you've been going through so far. And he – I don't know if they properly explain it, but I think like he hijacks the world of of Undertale. Yes, he, uh, and so uh, the first time I played it, like he gives this conversation, and right at the point where you think the boss fight is about to start, the game it doesn't even crash; it just quits on you. It closes, yeah. bam, back to Steam. And I remember I was visibly like, "Oh, the game finally does a glitch on me right before the final boss." Yeah, oh, well, load it up. I save it before, and no, you get the the, you know, the normal intro first. Then this the text starts yeah. glitching, the window title starts glitching, and you you just you get all this crazy. And that's when I started to realize, okay, this isn't this is an intentional glitch. What? Yeah, and it reloads. Flowey appears, talking about how he. Is truly the master of this world now with the power of these souls he's gotten. And the one time it goes beyond that really simple black and white color art, mm-hmm. this nightmare this, inducing this, monstrosity this. that is the final boss. And it's no yeah. longer really an RPG. It really begins to almost appear shmup. Yeah, this is some kind of. Uh, you're battling like. Uh, you remember those Dante Inferno paintings? Uh, yes. from Wade? Yeah. It looks like a, a, like a Hellion from those it's paintings. It's horrifying. Yeah. Like it goes from this very simple and very crude eight bit style to this giant fucking mass of of Photoshop wonder, and he just comes bearing down on you. And not only that, he's invincible. He's invincible. And his moves are insane. He like throws a dozen. He shoots like twenty lasers at you in a second. (laughs) It is, it it was overwhelming. Yeah. And I remember me and Serena, well, I, I'm playing this, and Serena's on the sofa like, Jesus Christ, have fun with that. And she gives me like a big old thumbs up and was like, okay, good luck. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm dodging, I'm dodging, I'm doing the best I can. I kind of just gave up and uh, had to look online and figure out how to do it. And 
And he actually uh, says when you reload, like, oh, I've killed you again before. I'm going to keep doing it forever. It ties yeah. like he, he starts reloading, like, save states because he wants to torture and kill you for all eternity. Yeah, the game is very aware that it's a game. Like, it, point, it even yes. states that, yeah, it even states, I mean, the final boss, Flowey, he wants to keep killing you. Yeah. He, and he's like, this is your save file. I'm reloading it to kill you. And we're going to keep doing this forever. Yeah. And, and in the end, it's kind of a love conquers all situation where your pleas for others kind of overpower his maliciousness. Mm-hmm. Like he tries and, loading and it doesn't happen. And uh, and even after you finally get the strength to beat him, you can still spare him. Yeah. Which I didn't in my first playthrough. Oh. Um, I was like, you're, you're a maniac. But was, I might do it when I do I, – that's probably required for a pacifist playthrough. Yeah, uh, that is required for a passive. Yeah. I, I have to. I, I have to uh, look that up again. But I was very, very tempted to kill him because of all he he had me going for two hours trying to fight that fight. And oh, he took me like two or three tries. But I was pissed at him for killing Asgore. Let's, let's yeah. talk about Asgore because he yeah. is the last conventional boss and one the game has been building up for a while. And I yeah. love how when you finally meet him, it is such a subversion of what you're expecting. Because yeah. you, you, it makes it clear like he wants you dead. He wants to, you know, access the world. He's thinking about himself. And you walk into his room. It's just meadow of flowers. You turn around. You see he's very much like Toriel. She turns out to be his wife even. And mm-hmm. he is this kindly, gentle, fatherly type guy. And everything he says, like, yeah, he's still. I'm still going through this plan. But I really feel remorse and sorrow yeah. over this. He's, I'm really sorry we had to meet under these circumstances. He, he doesn't seem like he wants to kill you. but no. the, He is a but, reluctant villain. Yeah. And I think that's uh, – even in that, I felt really bad about having to go up against Asgore. Yeah. He was yeah. tough. Excuse me. And he was tough in and, um, in and of itself. He's tough, yeah. Yeah. He's practice. Uh, He's and, the one who has to retry the most. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want to kill him, so I, I wound no. up not doing that. And that makes but, you even more pissed when Flowey does. Yeah, I'm like, Flowey, no! That was, the moment, the that, that was what made me not want to spare him. I'm like, you're yeah. a monster. I remember uh, that, that boss battle. Like, having to – Survive all the tentacles and uh, and have to rockets. Yeah, the rockets and the invincible and like the flies, the fly the trap, and the mines. that shoots out of his giant friggin' like the Venus flytrap yeah. now. Oh my god! And 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 then like you get like I finally realized that I could free the humans, the human souls that he stole, and then you start freeing them one by one. They were granted the power in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you you go through this in stages. So each time you you get a human soul, you get that much closer to victory. And then you free, then when all the souls are freed, like you absorb them. And, yeah, and Flowey is totally defenseless. Yeah, like his defense goes from nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, and he says zero. Yeah, it goes right to zero. And then like like through all that, then the crescendo of the music like ramps back it's up. So empowering. And I'm like, yes, holy shit! And and, and I and, swear to God, it was like. The best gaming moment I've had since I've been here. I I love the Flowey battle, but um, and I want to talk about other stuff besides the ending because we don't yeah, have yeah, time yeah, left. But I've heard I'd heard good things about the score, and I wasn't feeling it first. There are a lot of good tracks in the later half of the game. The Asgore battle music I think is phenomenal. Ah, oh. do you not remember it very well? I do, I do. It's, I I was like that is I feel like that sums up the battle so well. It's epic, but there's also there is kind of a hint of sadness to it. There's a there's a very large twin. It, it, it's it's a nice twinge of just. Remorse for this guy, yeah, compassion. Like it, yeah. he doesn't want to kill you, and it no. just starts out like. Fox, like I said, this is almost entirely a one-man thing. He did all the music himself, so props yeah. to him. That there are some tracks in this game. I'm gonna go out and buy the soundtrack. But we, there are a lot of other characters to discuss, like um, less heavy stuff. But Papyrus and Sands are his, they are so funny. 
Papyrus is my favorite character in this game. Oh, and I I I, I kind of pity him a little. I do, he's, I do. Yeah, he's trying so hard to be the coolest guy, and he's just very ine- ineffective. Yeah. But God, he, God damn it, he's got heart. He's trying. Oh, he was like, if there was one part that made me go, this game is awesome. It was his boss battle. It was his boss battle. Oh. <laughs> like, like you're uh, like. <laughs> Like he's uh, uh, like you're like trying to dodge out these bones and like I'm getting ready for my supernova attack and that and the music is like just starting up and it's like his regular it's like his regular theme and and you're like I want to date you and he's like no no I don't want to do that right now and he puts like marinara sauce behind his ear oh I at least that's that. what, I got yeah. him to wear the uh, basketball outfit though oh 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 well, I'm talking about oh that's that's much later oh okay, that, okay. that's that's after the boss battle and oh, then like doing it for me. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, maybe it's the second thing. You fight him twice, and the second one's more of a yeah thing. Okay, I mixed it up. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and then like he starts throwing the blue bone, the blue bones. He starts throwing the blue, the blue and skeleton bones at you. Yeah. And then you like you're taught to like let them pass through you. The game's like don't move when the blue shit goes through you. Yeah. That way you'll be okay. And you're like cool. This battle's gonna be easy. Then your heart, your icon, the thing that represents you drops like a rock and then you become blue and then yeah. papyrus is like now the real battle starts yeah there and, are moments where the your heart, heart mechanics and controls are really messed with for certain yeah battles. and and the music just the, the the music really starts to ramp up gets those drums it's like dum, 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 dum. Yeah. and it's oh my god it's awesome i'm sorry yeah. it's so well timed and i remember like you, that's, that's where you have to like hop over bones on an auto yeah. scoring right and then yeah. toward the end he starts like spelling out lit, like words with yes! it <laughs> like when you start to sway him a bit, he's like, "Thank you." With the bones that you're jumping over, that was awesome. Yeah, I get can't... a little closer to the mic. You're a little what? Sorry, it was, it was it was that was awesome. I'm sorry, I'm geeking out so much that I'm about to fall over in my chair. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> sorry, I'm composed. I'm good. And, Go and Sans, um, the more cool, collected, and joke loving of the two. Yeah. You get the sense that he's much more capable than uh, Papyrus, but he's oh. often saying, like, I love how cool my brother is. And unless there's something later on that uh, contradicts that, he seems genuine about it. He's very genuine yeah, about it. Yeah, he loves Unfor- Papyrus. And unfortunately, I spoiled myself. And sp- I spoiled myself. Unfortunately, I uh, got spoiled uh, reading the Wikipedia as far as uh, Undertale is concerned. And, uh, yeah, uh, in the genocide run, he's not happy with you. He's actually... Th- I think, and don't quote me on this, I might be wrong, but uh, I think he's attributed the title as the hardest boss in the game. Oh, yeah, I never fought him in my run. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm run. I'm sorry if I spoiled that for you. No, I, I've had minor things spoiled. Like, I know about some characters I haven't even encountered in my first run. I'm going to go back. I'll just try and avoid what I can about actual story beats. But, okay. um, and speaking, but speaking of what I did encounter with Sans in my run, uh, before you fight Asgore, he comes out and has to judge you. And this is what we're talking yes. about, really calling you out. I love the fact that, like, you know, when you, you know, when you've beaten enemies, you get EXP and your love increases with your health. And he explains these are acronyms for really malicious things. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not, it really calls you out if, like, um, you've been taking that for granted. Like, no, you've been murdering people. Yeah. Uh, uh, the game does a really good job in saying that you're playing the, all this is a game to you. And that's not right for the people who are actually living here. Much like real life, there are consequences for violent yeah. acts. And whatever Toby Fox was thinking, 
it resonated with a lot of people. Like, Clearly. Yeah, because this game, this this entire concept just exploded with a lot. It with, sold with, over, it sold several million copies. Yeah. I think he might be set for life now. He's, he's probably set for a He can kind of do whatever he wants for his next project. Yeah. I am very curious to see what he does. Yeah, me too. Uh, and just the whole concept of being able to like respect the people that are different from you or even to give them um, or even um, to hold respect for the things they might enjoy. I, I think that is a, a it's a, an incredible concept within a game. Yep. And especially in a game that says you don't even have to complete the entire thing. You don't. I mean, you can just stop here. Like the game out now says this is the end of the game for you, but there's more. If you choose to, just know that you can do things completely opposite. Wait, is it after like an initial neutral playthrough? Um, that's after. Uh, if you don't mind me spoiling for you, that's after the perfect pacifist playthrough. Oh, okay. It's, giving, well, it's, it's not really it's, a spoiler. Well, yeah, it's giving. It, essentially, there it's giving you the option of playing the genocide run. Yeah. At, at that point, it's like you don't have to play the game anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. And, oh, there are a few other character and gameplay elements I do want to bring up. Go for it. Um, and just a, a big, one of my biggest examples, I think I told you all on, of me beat, not thinking ahead and having repercussions. When you fight Toriel as your first boss fight, I was so caught up in trying to survive that I killed her. I didn't think to uh, be merciful. Oh. And immediately oh. I was like, fuck. <laughs> no. But I decided to live with those consequences. Oh, and no. apparently you can reload after if you kill her and try again. And then you see Flowey afterward and he calls you out on that. Oh, he is shit. the most meta character. Oh, and I know that. It did kind of have some consequences at the end because I understand that at the end, um, at least in neutral playthrough, she uh, comes back to be the queen of the underworld. Oh, wow. And, but that, because I didn't happen, Undyne uh, takes over. And on my playthrough, I didn't encounter her much after that boss fight. Mm-hmm. And the game ends with a, a phone call from Sans saying she still holds a huge grudge against you and is organizing an army to try and invade the human world. Oh, wow. It was a pretty uh, disheartening ending. So it definitely encourages me to go back. We're gonna, I think we're going to need to revisit this game to some degree. Yeah, because, I mean, you played Neutral Run. I played Pacifist Run. I really don't want to kill my friends. No, <laughs> you don't have to replay it. But uh, I think I am going to try and do a Genocide Run next. This will be easier because I'll be stronger. And okay. then do a, go for a pure Pacifist, which will be a real challenge because I won't be able to get uh, Frisk, the main car- kid, much stronger. Dude, and... Um, um, Oh, okay. The last thing I want to say, and this is going back to the true emotional thing. Uh, okay, I'll be honest if you be honest. Did you ever tear up playing this game? Yes. Mine was not in a section I would really expect. It was the lead up to the fight with Asgore where you're going, you're revisiting the house and mm-hmm. all the enemy drones are revisiting you in battle. But instead of talking, they're relaying to you what the tragic backstory that kind of set the stage for everything is with um, Asriel and and uh, the human, his visit to the human world and their for early human visitor. And just the combination of revisiting that environment, that the the serene nature of the battles exposition, and the music, that yeah. acoustic track is so beautiful. I just started uncontrollably tears welling, and uh, props to that because not many games have accomplished that in me. Yeah, there was one particular part, and I won't spoil it for you. Um, after the perfect, after I okay. beat the perfect, we'll pacif- back to it. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, um, after after you beat the perfect pacifist run, um, and everybody gets together, there's one particular moment. Uh, after you beat the boss, that made me legit tear up. And uh, this is an emotional game. I'm not going to put it on the level of The Last of Us or even the first season of The Walking Dead because everybody is different. And uh, um, it's not quite as overwhelmingly dark as those either. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. More accessible. 
Yeah, it's it's in that regard. It's not um, the humor is not everyone's cup of tea. It's very cartoonish. Um, it can come off as very immature. Um, with crazy. Yeah, it's very crazy. But I oh, love when, that. When, when the last fight with Metaton when he uh, when I flipped that switch, <laughs> I really did have a brief moment of what the fuck just happened. He, he goes. <laughs> Metaton's a great character, by the way, because he's this lovely malicious robot, and hey. he goes from a conventional computer oh, box to a. Uh, Fabulous, bishy, anime pretty boy. Oh, yeah. I did not expect that. <laughs> Though, thinking about it, um, since he was built by uh, Alphys, another cute character, uh, mm-hmm. she is very much uh, a weeaboo. Mm-hmm. Half her calls yeah. to you and texts you are about like some Mew Mew anime, and she's like, season two could totally ruin the series and stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, we got to mention, it's not important. Uh, I think my best moment of just this is incredible, really silly was my encounter of the random enemy Sunder plane. Oh, uh, soon <laughs> is it Sunder plane? Uh, yeah, like Sunder plane. Yeah, Sunder plane. Sunder plane. <laughs> it is such a. It's all those cliches of that anime stereotype where you have like some yeah. girl who's been really cold to you and be like idiot baka but you know if, and it's not and you can your act is flirt which she'll hate or yeah. approach just compliment and she's like what and it, it starts, <laughs> this blowing starts blushing yeah like senpai notice me it's so, it is so funny <laughs> it's so it, stupid and ridiculous that i love it, it is Sorry. And it's completely it's superfluous it does it's i, I it might be possible to not even encounter a sooner plane for all i know but yeah, those little touches onto the game, those little tiny, uh, seemingly unimportant touches, they just add to the charm of what. Oh, the most charming was. boss fight to me was guard A and guard B. <laughs> uh, it was what? Guard A, guard one and guard two, guard A and guard oh, B. Oh right, yeah, they were adorable. I, I just yeah, quick summary: it's these two fully armored monsters. One of them is very like sullen, doesn't say much. The other is a total dude bro in his uh, yeah. speech. Uh, and your act, you can I think clean one of their armor, the the, the sullen one. And he takes his uh, chest plate off, and you know he's got the biceps and stuff. And you say it says like the other guard is starting to like act nervous, and you get like approached, and it's like tell him his true feelings, and he mm-hmm. totally admits his uh, gay crush on this other yeah. guard. Like I love being with you, bro. And the other one thinks <laughs> like, you want to get ice cream after this is done. Yeah, in the battle right there and spare them. And I thought that was the most adorable thing. <laughs> It's it's really cute. Um, you can run into them afterward. Uh, yeah. I think it's like probably they've had their ice cream, and one of them will say, like, hey, I, I, "Sorry about the trying to kill you thing." And we just put it behind us. Yeah, I do. I do like that about the game that there's there's these very very small, kind of insignificant moments, but they really add to the flavor of the game. Yeah, they add, good. They, I like they, the approach to. Uh, to uh, go ahead. They de- they definitely add to the character of the game itself. I'm sorry. It looks like that I'm I'm waving my hand on the screen right now, but these cats are getting kind of annoying right We're now. Done. But, yeah. uh, but also tying into Guard 1-2, I love the fact that there's some good uh, gay implementation for characters. Yeah. Because also uh, Alpheus is – I think she's bi. Yeah, uh, she is. Because she's going uh, – early on in my first playthrough, she only talked about Undyne. But I think she also talks about Asgore and other male characters. Yeah, she does. And she's a very awkward, reclusive nerd. So it's kind of sweet to see her. She's very her. she's very sweet. I, I, I loved her to yeah. bits. <laughs> total total or, nerd. Um, yeah. And I will say I didn't like the frequency of her phone calls in the second later half. Yeah. But she was an endearing character. There, there were times when I felt like, man, this chick keeps calling me. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to play the game. Yeah. Why is this game trying to push her on me? And then you find out much later that there are some very not good things that she did. Uh, oh, I, haven't, I don't know if I encountered that. I will leave that to you. Not but like the game does, or, or genocide, strictly thing. Yeah, the game pushes, um, pushes Alphys on you for a very particular reason. 
Okay, well, we will revisit that. And um, I feel like there was one more thing. About... Oh, and just tying into that, did you uh, you saw on Facebook uh, big Overwatch news today? Yeah, Tracer, yeah. Tracer is officially getting Tracer. Jen Tracer has well, Blizzard has officially uh, came out and said it's that canon. Tracer yeah, is, made a comment yeah. of her getting a Christmas present for her GF. So the the most prominent the face of Overwatch is gay. I love that. Yeah. That makes me very happy. And there's like a large chorus of straight males playing Overwatch just <laughs> beating their chest and gnashing of teeth and tearing their shirts. Now we'll never have a chance. Now our, now our fantasy waifus will, will, will never pick she me up. She will never be attracted to me. Hey, well. I'm like, well, she never belonged to you to begin with, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's Tracer's choice, not yours. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, man, I just... The more Overwatch material they release, the more I really want a story-driven spinoff or a movie. Just that's that's really the main reason why I didn't buy Overwatch. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no story in the game. No, 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 no. I take that back. I did buy Overwatch, but I didn't keep it for more than a day. All the um, all the shorts and all the press and all the little uh, uh, all the little comics and commercials that came out and um, in anticipation for it made me believe that hey. Uh, this game is probably going to have a really interesting story. I'm going to buy it. Itself. Nope, nope, it's not. No. It's not at all. It made me and very sad. I actually do love the game, and I normally don't even love things of that type. But um, I'm kind of going into it like thinking about what I already know about these characters and always looking forward to whenever they do new comics and shorts. And I think I brought this up when we talked about Ratchet & Clank the first episode. Like... As I do really want them to eventually try and make a movie of this, like especially like this would make a great PG thirteen animated movie, like something talking, into a Marvel flick that could talking, be a really good trendsetter. You're saying Overwatch? Yes. Oh, they're, they've already announced that they're making a series. A series of what? Overwatch. Uh, animated series? Yes. For TV or uh, possibly TV, possibly streaming. Oh, uh, I heard about that. I'll look into yeah. that. But I, I I think like a big movie would be great for it too. Oh, and just at the same time, like. There must be some people, people at Hollywood, who just don't get what makes a good movie when you're adapting a game. Because yeah. uh, I'm seeing those Assassin's Creed reviews, and I'm just like, that could make a good movie in the right hands. So could Warcraft. So could. Blizzard needs to ta- Blizzard needs to take it slow on this one because I mean, they already Warcraft, tried Warcraft and fucked up majorly by all. Of yeah, accounts. Warcraft didn't do so well. So yeah, we'll so see. they got to get a director and writer, and most importantly, a studio with real faith and care about the property and. Yeah. I feel like an Overwatch movie is a very good possibility down the line, and I'm going to be so bummed if they screw that up. There's At this point, they have so much to work with, so much character history, so much of a, a wide variety of cast and possibilities and setup. And please, I, oh, Blizzard, Movie Studios, if you listen to this little-known podcast by two guys, Overwatch would make a fantastic movie if you treat it with the respect it is worthy of. Yeah, that's definitely right. But uh, Undertale... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I, I gotta, so we we, we, we out here, but uh, yeah, well, go ahead. Well, I got to close it here because the cats are becoming a little. Yeah. But real quick, uh, we I think it's very obvious. We both really enjoy Undertale. I don't know if I'd say it's one of my favorite games of all time, but it is a one of a kind experience that actually managed to live up to a lot of the hype that I that I had received in the past year. And Chris, obviously, you think well, your overall thoughts? I love it. Uh, this was okay. actually <laughs> well. Well, I, I'm, that's putting it. I know that's putting simply. it simply. Um, but this was the first game I I beat and had a, 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 and I felt emotionally about since I got married. So this actually had a very special tie with me when I started playing okay, it. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Having a really good time time with it, and it was really refreshing to see a game really care about its characters and really care about what you thought about the characters and what yeah. your choices 
were. So I hope that more games um, really go that route. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not necessary in every regard. But having a game that really teaches you to love and read it really uh, really teaches you to really think about your decisions and yeah, teach you about repercussions. Treat, well, how you treat other people, it definitely has repercussions. And we've all had we've all have experiences when when we deal with friends and when we deal with family and how we treat one another. Yeah. And those consequences can resonate for a short term; they can resonate long term. Yeah. And I love that this game makes you think about that. Yep. So that is going to do it for episode five. And so, real quick, our sixth episode will come out. Most likely sometime between Christmas and New Year's, um, maybe even a little later. But if all goes to plan that I have set up, we will be – and tying into what I mentioned in our Sun and Moon discussion, we are going to be joined by our first guest, uh, my brother Patrick, uh, a fellow geek who will be in town for the holidays. And yeah. we will be doing a general resp- retrospective and overview and just discussion of all things Pokemon. Sounds good. Uh, Patrick and I were right in, in the target audience when he grew up, when we started. Uh, I can say safely say for a good two or three years, it was two years, it was our life. And we still stay dedicated to the games and very set fast to the franchise. So it'll be fun to have a third voice and just discuss Pokemon. There's, there's a lot of, there'll be a lot to discuss. And just in case that plan falls through, I'm going to say right now, uh, if we can't get Patrick, the next episode will be my pick. And I discuss this with you. We're yeah. going to do a general perspective of another game series, uh, Ubisoft's Rayman platformer series. Uh, and if we do, if we do get to do a Pokemon episode like we expect, that will be Rayman will be the following episode. Sounds good. But that is going to do it for tonight. And I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good Undertale line to close it out with. But um, I mean, we are still filled with determination. That's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say to all, to all, good night, uh, good day, and enjoy my spaghetti. All right, guys. See you later.